Hey, everybody, it's John. And thanks to everybody who helps us out every week by going to patreon.com slash steal this beer and throwing a couple of bucks away so that we can mail beers to our guests and have some fun conversations resulting from that. So uh, if you're not already, go check it out. It's patreon.com slash steal this beer. Uh, as Cass says, a little bit goes a long way and we appreciate the support. Now, here come the sirens. Steal This Beer, a candid weekly discussion about beer, over beer, by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. Hey y'all, it's 5 o'clock on Monday and we are stealing beer. I am Augie Carton. Hey, I'm John Hall. Hey, John Hall. Hey, Augie Carton. How are you feeling? How is your, your residency at the Arlo Miami going for you now that we've, we're, it's fucking five minutes to 11 and we're on our 12th beer of the day? This is now week four that we've been here. Uh, my wife and, and, and daughter uh, missed me very, very much. Um, but I feel like living in a hotel like Eloise is, is really the life that I've meant to live. Yeah, it's, it is your best life. And uh, especially here in Miami, where the heat and humidity really speak to me in a in a deep, meaningful way. Um, this is... So I'm so excited to get so back to winter. We've been here for 24 hours. I'm let excited me, to get me, back to let winter. Let me whip out my Bob Ross watercolors and paint a picture for you. Our guest for this fourth episode of Miami is Scott Shore of Edmunds Osas. Thanks for joining us. Thank you He for has me. just poured two black glasses of Beers obfuscated by Sock Monkey Safety and handed us each his own apple cider donut ale brewed with lactose, vanilla, natural flavors added. And it is really 11.05. And I fucking love this. On a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. And John Friday Hall. Friday morning. John it's a Hall Friday is a, morning. Uh, Friday morning. And John Hall is in a combination of pastels and linen like you've never seen him. And I, it's never you who leans into the swerve first. Like this is, I'm terrified for where today goes. So this let's is focus on Scott. So we were just talking. Donut. So nice. last night, Scott, and so I'm interested in the progression for you. Um, craft beer store in 08, which is the height of craft beer store. Then, and tell me if I screw this up, but then a brew pub and then a proper brewery. In that order, right? Yeah, you, you nailed that. What's the gapping on these things from 08? When does the next one come along? When does the next right. one come along? Uh, so we started, our, our infancy was really the Charleston Beer Exchange, which I think is what you're alluding to. That goes yeah, that back, first, uh, November back, 15, 2008 was opening day, which is a little independent craft beer bottle shop that sort of miraculously gained... It sounds like so pompous to even say this, but it actually gained international recognition in a time when independent tiny little shoebox craft beer stores run by beer nerds you know could do something like that we were I, right I place right well. time yep. craft i was beer. drinking from guys like you which is what started carton you know what i mean yep. like if it wasn't for oh wait was that time so yeah you know i always i was never not a craft guy but i was it yeah. was always like a neat other thing to know about and then i think somewhere between call it 04 to 08 like as as Amarillo and Simcoe and, you know, it's as things start fleshing out what Cascade can do. Can we call that that phase? Right? Yeah. Cascade Plus is then. And I was like, what are they doing here? How are they doing that? 
that's when the obsession started, right? Like, wait, you know, because as much as I love Sierra, Sierra just tasted like a really interesting beer. And then all of a sudden, things started smelling like a myriad of things I'd never smelled. I was like, what's going on here now? What, what have we gotten? And now I'm obsessed. But it, that's when you open, right? What's wrong? I'm afraid he's smelled or just, tasted I the beer. I just smelled beer one, and we're going to die. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, definitely. We're going to die in Miami. The worst part is... The worst part I don't want to die So, Scott, in I, want, I want to alibi this. We, we don't do this game... Two no beers. We're not showing off. I'm not like, oh, this is a you know, this is a 1971 Margot. That's not the game, right? But the minute I tasted this, I was like, you know what that is. Don't let that fuck up your head, right? Because I don't know what it is, but I know I've ha- you know, you know what that. So that's my yeah, fear. It's gonna be fun. The yeah. uh, the parameters were so loose. Any yeah. beer you feel like bringing, as, as long as, as it's, long as it's not, not yours, yours. or these, something these you've collaborated certain, on. These are not ours. These no are skin in the game. Although, as a, as a purveyor of fine beers as well, you kind of always have skin in the game. So the idea was that way, if I hated it, you wouldn't get mad at me and it wouldn't <laughs> fuck us up. But you I, know what uh, I mean? Like, as a purveyor of fine beers, I guess you have different skin in that game. Sure. And I decided to have fun with the wide open offer. Oh. So. That is fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. And remember, I want to remind you when I made the good choice not to open his 10% triple, but yeah. go with the 5% cider beer. Anyway, all right, so let's get back <laughs> to it. So you yeah, open up, and you. So, so was Charleston dead when you opened, or were you one of a lot of people doing that there right. at that time? It was absolutely nothing. The law had just changed to allow beers over. 7% ABV to be sold legally, the in pop the cap movement. Yeah. And that had just passed. It might have passed the end of 07, but it was very yeah. short and it, time there. So there was so no you guys came it. right after North Carolina did it. Yeah, North Carolina went first. Yeah. yeah. It, it might have been like two years after. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, the whole pop the cap movement was wait, a so big deal in the Carolinas. Because Utah's got some fucked up laws, but it's like right. where sure. you can sell it and how you can sell it, right? It's not that yeah. you South can't Carolina sell it. completely limited the sale. You could not sell any beer that was over, I, I think, 6.5% alcohol by volume, I think was yeah. the magic you, you number. You never need to explain to me how dumb American laws crazy. can be. But there was no comparable law on Jack Daniels, right? Like No. It was all beer has always been... The most why restricted hillbilly. Is, is there at least a reasoning that they explain to you why shit happened oh, that way? You gosh. know what I mean? Like, is it why would it be like, oh no, drink all the whiskey you want? But well, I think it's obvious. It was never said this way nor explained, but I think it was obviously to protect the big beer wholesalers and producers. Sure. So they, those are the folks that had powerful lobbyists, even in a state like South Carolina. You know, that were holding on to the old laws, the three tier system, protecting the. Big beer distribution channels <coughs> and the profit centers that those were at any cost. And yeah, they fought but, tooth and but nail see, to I guess to me that seems foolish minimized. for even AB, right? Because it at some point they might want to make a barley wine and then they've shot themselves in the it foot. It was probably just the simplest path forward that just kept profits gotcha. forefront. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that. But at that time, it felt like a David versus Goliath thing that we were constantly seeking to just make little compromises to those laws to allow some creativity with drinking or brewing. Yeah. And it was tough. But we opened that shop in 08 and how took hard off. was it? How hard was it to get? Like, so in 08 in Jersey, there really only was one craft distributor. It was a company called Hunterdon. Right. Um, and then there was all the 
faux craft brands at sure. the other shops. But if you wanted to open that store in Jersey, you would have been pretty perturbed at what you could get versus your dream shelf. You know what I mean? If you dreamed like, and in my IPA section, I'll have these 12 in Jersey, you'd have been able to get four. You know what I mean? So how hard was it then? And how is that loosened up with these changes in laws? It was extremely limited at the beginning, but the floodgates kind of opened and over that that year we opened, by the time we opened, we were able to pack our shelves with quite a variety. That's awesome. Uh, once the law had changed, then all of a sudden things started happening. It was not all at once, but it was quick. And we were getting new beers in every year. We were trying to figure out how to fit more and more into our tiny little shop. And then we opened another store in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, we were trying to figure out, you know, what the next step would be from there. We thought we were just going to keep opening shops, but we saw a pivot in the way that the consumer was utilizing those types of stores in the industry. Because when we opened the Charleston Beer Exchange, you couldn't get interesting craft beer like at the supermarket or the or the gas station yeah. or or even local wide. breweries right or or at a brewery in, yeah. in south carolina at that time so Is that, that right yeah. yeah you couldn't even really buy beer at breweries yet uh, in those early days so there was a it was a different world and then all of that starts to change and we were looking for our future growth and where our moves would take us and we started to pivot more onto an on-premise concept which eventually became Edmund's Oast, right. which is a brew pub restaurant in Charleston. Which is what we're sipping here next to Right. This, this has made it our production brewery up the street now. We still have an uh, in-house system at the original restaurant where we brew um, most days of the week or, or working in the brewery most days of the week for draft beers that are only served at the restaurant there. So is it like a tank situation? Like yeah. serving tanks just fill them? We actually keg the beer that we serve in the restaurant, which yeah. in hindsight was uh, a laborious, superfluous, unnecessary thing to do to yeah, our it's brewer. It's just one more thing yeah. to break. Sorry. Yeah. But um, every th I wake up every day and I'm like, keg washer is getting old. Yeah. We should have done <laughs> them serving tanks. The system in the restaurant is a two-vessel, five-barrel brew house. We have four 10-barrel FVs and a 10 barrel bright and right. a 15 barrel hot liquor tank. It's a tiny little system. That's all we do. And we just do draft beers for our restaurant bar and also for our shop next door. We have Edmonds Oast Exchange next door now too. Um, it's for a nice little like, campus that you have in yeah. there. I'm it's trying right. to think of the last time that I was there, but it was probably five years and it was just, yeah. was Was the, the ex exchange open there too at that time? I had had a couple of beers, so I don't around fully... Around that age. Yeah. yeah. Now, I guess There's like that courtyard so you, in the you, middle, yeah. right? It's, yeah. It might have just been getting ready to open. Timmons would remember. Gotcha, yeah. Who would remember? Uh, my partner, business oh, partner, Timmons. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, so so you've got a history of getting really drunk around Scott? And even the not me personally. No, not, not him personally. I'm just listening to the uh, stories you're telling. Yeah. It sounds like. No, this was this was back in my, my all about beer days the first time around. Uh, Spending time um, in the Carolinas. All right, I, I guess we can talk about glass one, but my head is fucking all over the place. So <laughs> it brings us together on Steal This Beer as a candid conversation of beer. What it is, not what we were told it would be. What it's doing, not what we thought it would do. And how it tastes, not how hard it was to get. To facilitate that, we drink blind. Scott brought us these. They are obscured in the world's most obscuring sock monkeys. And he's poured them into our opaque black on the road wine tumblers yeah and we are sipping on it's so do you remember the time <laughs> no Vesser Levin showed up okay and 
I and we were having a nice conversation adjunct about after adjunct after adjunct after adjunct after adjunct that must be in it and how balanced they were and how it would go away and the next one would come on. And then it turned out to just be the world's greatest beer. Yeah. This is doing that to me. Like I had cinnamon. Mm-hmm. I had coffee. Yeah. I carefully not drank your donut beer to save this. And at some point I took a sip of this and I was like, did I accidentally drink the cinnamon beer? And then the next sip had no cinnamon in it. So whatever is going on here, it's either adjunct <coughs> with a million things carefully yeah. or this is just a very good ferment. Yeah. But it's um, boozy as fuck, it, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Um, 13%? <laughs> if, if, if we're lucky to get out of here alive. <laughs> um, I was originally getting like deep fudge and nice fudge. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like so there was a fudgy point where I thought it was a stout, and, but, but yeah. totally agreed. But then your, your dried fruits mm-hmm. moved all the stouts out. They of start, the way, right? they start so to show up. Your figs and your prunes and all that showed up it, to get rid of any stouty note I had. And, and I will say that as, as it warms up, that's definitely happened. Um, and it's so Venice, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like no, it, it, it is taking on those quad esque, Belgian-y, dark stone fruit. Uh, I know. imagine this is a beer you sold in 08. <laughs> or wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> this beer is... Ah. Yeah. And you know, the worst part is, and thank you for taking care of the beer, I'm not judging you, but it's so cold. Like yeah. I, I yeah. want to I wanna put it aside, let it completely warm up. And that's what I was going to say. And is see what that it I imagine the booze will get way out of hand at room temperature, but I imagine those phenolics will... Be let yeah. loose. But even ten minutes or so in the glass outside of the icy cooler, it is that 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 fudge wood that I was thinking has dissipated quite a bit, and those those Belgian-y characteristics have have this risen up. And it's yeah. this is the kind of and this is exactly how these shows go pear shaped. Second show of the day, <laughs> this thing comes up. I can't stop sipping on it. And yeah. then what happened to Augie? Well, you see, well. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it would be the cider donuts, but it turned out it was the um yeah, this is one of those. I don't know if this oh is. God, I don't know. Love if, that beer. I do. I, 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 this. I don't know if this is the right place for me to be drinking this beer right now because I feel this is a nice winter beer. This is snow outside. We're in this Miami, is, where they live on nothing but eighteen percent stouts. I understand, but it's the I weirdest want thing in the world to me. Does I, that I want cold weather. Carolina? This is the no, not really. It, that's so like a Florida. What? It's not just Miami, but it's like a Florida phenomenon. Tampa too, big time. Oh I yeah, mean, Tampa's got insane. that. You know the angry chair cycle, who know who, and you know, yeah. all that but, stuff. But but the nice part about Tampa, or at least my experience at Tampa, as it's been curated for me by friends like John and Justin, is they still have enough saisonneries. Like if sure. I was down here, if Augie Carton was brewing in Florida, I would only make saisons. Yeah. Like there's just something about sure that 100% humidity. 85 degrees in February. Bob Sylvester might try to talk you out of that, but that's a whole other. We had him on the show. He had he ran Saint somewhere the Cezannery down here. For and it, and it, didn't it, it, it was it, like a, it was it a tough road to climb. People like sugar water, man. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to it. So I, I, I so we're we're at that phase. So, 08 is the first beer store. When does Edmonds Oast open? 2014. February 14th, Valentine's Day. Our nine-year anniversary is this Tuesday. That's oh. cool. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Um, and that was... So I think you said you saw it as a market shift because people were getting out of craft beer, so it was no longer an individual world. How much of it was... Like, I guess let's start with who does the brewing mm-hmm. and how did... The, 
you know, and I'm a home brewer turn brewer, so I'm not saying that's not a path, but how do you get from store to stirring? Right. So we started rethinking instead of opening, we had two retail shops and then we thought we were going to open more retail shops, but then we kind of pivoted to thinking we were going to open a craft beer bar. This is before we ever thought it was going to be a brewery or maker on beer, yeah. but more of a beer bar than a beer store. That was the first mental pivot. We started looking for the right space to do that. We imagined it as being something old world, Belgian-esque, you know, the kind of basement-y kind of dark spot yeah. that you imagine. Um, reality, Charleston has almost no commercial basements, and um, <laughs> that was just a pipe dream. It was just Is there a, a high water table or something? Yeah, very Is high. That All right. Basements almost don't exist in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, so we... So eventually build a basement in the sky. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we eventually found a place. Our place found call us. it an attic. Yeah. A particular developer who went on to become our investor and partner um, found us and was curious about bringing us into something he was working on. And there was this really large space, much bigger than we ever imagined, much brighter, much more natural light. And it was big. And the concept, we liked it. It had parking. It was on the upper part of the downtown peninsula. Uh, kind of up-and-coming area, and we just thought it was going to be the perfect location for people from all over to get to, feel welcome, have an easy time parking, all that stuff. And the space was just much larger than we originally thought we were looking for. It's a huge place. I, I do remember going there, having had a couple beers beforehand, walking it, and it really is this, it, it's cavernous in mm -hmm. a big way, but it is very intimate as mm -hmm. well. How many like, big-ass fans could you put in the ceiling? Could you? We don't <laughs> have any, but you could put... Just in the dining room, I'm sure you could put like six or something. All right, so that's a metric everybody understands. Yeah, yeah. Just in the dining room. But then we have we have a massive outdoor <laughs> courtyard. The U.S. will use patio. anything, literally anything, <laughs> except the metric meters. system. Yeah. <laughs> I will count in anything as long as I don't have to say centimeters. <laughs> we have like about six thousand interior square feet, but then we probably have another ten thousand exterior courtyard and covered patio, and then we have our shop next door, and then we've got a private dining room all on top of that. So there's a lot happening. Did you just pivot to the other beer? Don't yeah. don't don't get don't get too far away because we still have to do the reveal know, for, for know, the first I, one. I'm so just now, I took another sip of one, and it's gone into this wonderful nutmeg mm. phase of its spiciness, which made me decide I had to preserve it for the Warming rest up. of the show. Yeah. yeah, but so that that's why I that's why you saw me switch because um, I didn't want to not be drinking, and that sure. is lovely. All right, so why don't we <laughs> reveal it, and then it can be what it's going to be. What yeah. is it? <laughs> okay, the reveal is going to... There's not much of a label on here, so the reveal is going to be uh, largely verbal, but I... It's a homebrew? So, pretty much, but oh. not mine or anything. It's, right. a, it's, it's a homebrew made by a, a professional brewer. Um, so, this is from 2008. Okay. So, it has a ton of age on it. From your first year. Yes, but that's just a coincidence. <laughs> this was made by my good friend Edward Westbrook, who owns Westbrook Brewing Company. Sure. Pleasant. Yeah. King um, of all gozes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was a pilot, test batch, homebrew type recipe that he was tinkering with for fun. Um, and he brewed and bottled it in 2008 with a couple other guys that he was working with. Yeah. He called it Uber Beer Number 1. It is essentially an absurdly strong Belgian golden ale that has now aged yeah. extensively. He estimates is about 16% ABV. Fuck. Told uh, you. <laughs> and, um, you thought we were walking out of here at 13. Nice. I was, I was praying for 13. And it's just the and, estimate, too. And, yeah, yeah, and it's an estimate. Um, he was quite... I have a few of these beers from his old kind of prototype collection when he was homebrewing bef just before he launched his brewery. And um, I told him I was bringing one down for this. And 
Well, he said, "Good luck." It showed super well. <laughs> it like really 16% does. Sixteen percent clearly mean, lasts forever. So in a, yeah, it's the age wait, on do, it. Do you have the cap still? Does it have that circle from hand bottling? Um, I don't know. No. Nope. All right. Cool. Uber. So and then he got the cease and desist from the app <laughs> and, and right. had to rebrand. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's uh, that's, that's pre awesome. pre-production opening Westbrook. That's fucking that's super really imperial cool. Belgian golden. I do don't you, think do there's any know, adjuncts do, added to it. Yeah, no, that's the and that's so it's isn't that age, like really. such a weird thing though because we were bouncing around. I mean, I was getting that fudge and wood. You know, you were talking about some of the other stuff, and then well, it would as it morphs into. You were right about how yeah. it's just four ingredients, yeah. and but this yeah. would definitely have candy sugar in it. Sure. Yes, a ton, yeah. definitely this a ton of Belgian candy, candy sugar. sugar yeah, which no is doubt. The thing that I think as I fuck around more and more, candy sugar is not malt. And it definitely suggests, like, I think part of that is what, what a yeast like Ardennes can do with yeah. that simple sugar. And what well, you were going to say, yeah. Yeah, I agree that there is a, 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 he's, I know for certain that he used a ton of sugar just to even to get the ABV up yeah. at, that high. Uh, and the way that flavor profile plays into long-term aging is super interesting for me. I used to be one of those beer kids uh, that, cellared a ton of beer and hung on to a lot of beer and like uh, most of it turned to shit like yeah. everyone else's but you know occasionally something was super fun and interesting i still have a ton of old beer yeah. in my closet I, I do too we were talking about that yesterday yeah. it's like too cool to throw away but not really something i want to drink it's what yeah. have i done it's do you a, know how many mess. bottles in my house say hoarders on it <laughs> Fuck. uh so that'd be a fun episode I think that's a lot kind of, of why i need your enemy alex kid to come on the show all the time because he's always my alibi to open up a 12 year old patrick rue bottle because he uh, yeah. From that part of the world. When does he come to your house? No, come on the show. Oh, come on the Every show. Every time he talks, it. I run downstairs, grab a stupid bottle that he knows, and b- ask him to teach me what I'm drinking because he's very fluent in Rue. I think anyway, every, I think all of us and every other old money beer nerd from <laughs> yesteryear probably has so much shit sitting like rotting and getting worse in their closets, whatever. We we had Troy Casey on the show recently, and I realized as as he was talking that I have. Some of his old AC Golden stuff, like wow. still in the, <laughs> still in the cellar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's when are you gonna open it? So you like know what's funny yeah. is the other thing I collected a ton of was Rare Barrel. Oh, cool. And so with that change, collectors item now. I'm now like, oh, but I've got like so for some reason, I guess because you know East Coast wasn't hard for me to get, so I was always collecting shit that needed to come over from there. So no kidding, it's it's mostly mostly Rue, Rare, and Firestone Walker stuff. Those, with, with the shops, I'm 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 curious. Like I know people will walk in for four packs of IPA and everything now, but do those bottles, like the stuff that we were just talking about, do those still resonate at bottle shops? Like, do people still? It's a really tough sell. Um, cork and Cage, seven fifty, four year barrel aged beers, whether it's sour or not, like whatever. I mean, just that whole world it doesn't even have to be barrel aged. But I'm just saying, like that those categories, that format, those have very much. I think deteriorated in being a driver in the market. There's always going to be a niche market for that. There's always going to be people like us that appreciate drinking them and experiencing them. The type of money that they command seems to be waning in popularity, at least for non-brewery release items. Like if you're going to go line up at Angry Chair for some super imperial barrel aged stout that floats your boat, 
pay 50 bucks a bottle. I'm not saying they charge that. I have no idea. I'm just guessing that sure. it could happen. They should, because other yeah, people do. Sure. <laughs> then, then that's one thing. But no one's really going into a retail shop and picking up bottles that cost $20, $30, $40 per bottle for beer. And that's kind of the direction so much that stuff went. It wasn't all barrel-aged stout either. I mean, all kinds of sour stuff. I mean, obviously, there's still some demand for real lambic, but even that isn't at the height of what it once was in terms of the demand. I mean, there was a period of time where Cantillon sat on the shelves, and then there was a period of time yeah. where you would never, ever see a Cantillon on any shelf anywhere. Yeah. Now the pendulum has swung back a little bit. It's not impossible to walk into a store and see a little bit of Cantillon sitting on a shelf. What, I'll tell you, one of the weirdest things I ever saw, and it's got to be right, right in the thick of that, let's call it 2013, 12. But I was out in Denver for some event, and there was a soured event around that. And, and obviously, I've always been countermarking and always behaved differently. But I remember, and I guess they didn't get Cantillon in Colorado. Maybe I, I don't know that I understood it. But they had like timed releases of bottles of Cantillon. Yeah. And people would walk away from everybody I think matters and sours. Like they were all in one room together to go get Cantillon. I'd be like, this is fantastic. I can walk right up to, <laughs> you know, That's any the of these tables every 25 minutes. <laughs> and the problem was I saw some of the brewers leaving their tables to go get on the Cantillon line. I was like, can I pour myself your beer? They're like, yeah, 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 go ahead. I was like, all right, cool. Deal. But you know what I mean? It was, it was, I remember that time where Cantillon was the most cherished beer in America, and yeah. now... But the flip side of that is, when we were at Trillium's uh, field trip a couple of years, a couple of summers ago... Yeah, I can't they, remember that. But they had a Cantillon table with bottles on it, and that they were pouring all of that stuff, and while they were doing that, uh, there was no line at that, but everybody was across the way drinking uh, the, like, the sour slushies. Yeah, uh, so like, what's like the, remember the guy from Sweden brought his uh oh yeah brought his from Omnipolo yeah yeah, Omnipolo yeah. and everybody was drinking those and the Cantillon table was absolutely empty at this festival. things like, moving man wait a minute yeah kids love sugar yeah all right so we should talk about glass two we as should. we move through this um it is a properly sour sour this is this is borderline like all the way acid mm -hmm. right I think we're we're super low pH here I'm loving this this is. This is everything that I love in those Flanders style beers of yeah. uh, that balsamic and that 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 strawberry syrup, that like yeah. green strawberry syrup thing, and the uh, the acidity is yeah, it's it's there and it is it is prominent so and you prevalent. Said Flanders, but it is, and I agree with every word you said except drinking with you as long as I have. The clear identifier to a Flanders fermentation to me is that balsamic note you pointed out to me uh -huh. many years ago. And I'm not getting that here. I've got real fruit and decided sourness, but it's not like the malts aren't taking it to that black vinegar side of the flavor spectrum. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, this is more of like that, that lighter, sweeter, uh, balsamic, uh, drizzle. I mean, it, but it's, I, I swear. And you know how, so I've got a, so my wife, I don't know how your family works, but my wife likes only sours that take 10 years to make. So she's a big fan of like three of my beers, a lot of Evan Watson's beers and most of my cellar, but not a lot of, you know, that is, you know what I mean? Like it's just, but this feels to me like, like Lauren would drink pickle juice. 
Like yeah. just drink the thing. And yeah. this feels to me like you gotta be, you gotta love acid first, right? Yeah. the The only thing that I'll say is, as this is warming up just a little bit more, I'm getting a little bit of that solvency, that nail polish. Yeah, but that uh, belongs there. No, I, I'm, but but it's it's becoming more prominent as as I'm going through it. So it's you, and I don't hate it. You've I'm got just, fruit, you know, right? Yeah. There's some kind of fruit in there, no? Like peaches. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, so for me, that solventy thing comes around when that sugar had a very late ferment. Like you make the beer all the way, then you add the fruits after and let the wild yeast wild yeast again. Okay. And you get kind of a, a little bit of, yeah. um, what's the raw alcohol smell? I'm, I'm just blanking on the word for it, but. Raw alcohol smell? You yeah, you know, it's, it's a type of alcohol that's just like. Oh, like the fusel alcohol kind of thing? Yeah, okay, but yeah. there, there's, you know what I mean? But, um, but just the littlest bit. And it's definitely driving yeah. the cleanliness of the entire thing, right? Like, yeah. So compared to the Duchess we had yesterday. Right. Or four weeks ago, I guess. Um, you know what I mean? On like the the, there's none of that yeah. thickness to this. It's, it's, it feels like a very nimble beer. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, 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 it's lighter. It's a little sprightly. Is yeah. Duchess possibly like back sweetened a little bit too? There's something it, so sweet it, about Duchess. It could be. I mean, they've, they've been messing around with it quite it a bit. Is, they've been like, putting, there's some, I've never like loved it as sugar much. As yeah, no, it's uh, so our preferences go bone Duchess. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Hours. I would call you if I needed a reference on. Sure. On um, well, it's your Christmas beer, right? Brother? It's my Christmas. It's my Christmas nice. Eve beer. Um, this is, yeah, this is one of those ones where, if we had a break today, I would go drink sit outside with this one and just I go drink the rest right. of the bottle yeah, and just. But I might, but yeah. I might throw a pilsner next to it. Sure. Just to. Or an apple cider donut. Yeah, let's get back to that. Um, so talk to me about just your evolution as a drinker, because uh, clearly we've already talked about we all seem to come from that same. This is fucking cool. How the fuck are they yeah. doing this? And you've brought us a apple cider donut beer. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, and I'm sure like all brewers you went through your I only drink clean Pilsner phase. Yes. But so from opening a store to sitting down with us today, can you slice out bands of what you were drinking, how and when? I can. Um so my evolution and i'm not at all a brewer i'm not the talent you know I, my my business it's nice, partner it's nice to say talent. my business partner cameron reed is the director of all brewing operations for both our brew pub and our production brewery and he's super super talented and uh really smart and does a great job and he's he's the brains behind all of the beer production i can tell you're still in love with him because you haven't said prima donna once <laughs> we're on we're, we're recording here <laughs> this is for the public nobody doesn't say it about me when they're um, being recorded <laughs> no i i don't think he's a prima donna i think he's a super smart guy and he would be quick to say that it's a team effort and that he wouldn't want to take credit by himself because every time i tell him he did a good job on something he immediately corrects me to say it was his whole team which is lovely uh, anyway, so yep. I'll point you did out the same that when you criticize him. Like, yeah, but it was everybody's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I met Cam in Charleston, and around shortly after we opened the Charleston Beer Exchange, he later went on to work with us to run our Greenville Beer Exchange store, and then came back to Charleston. We were getting ready to put together the Edmonds Oast Brew Pub concept. He had picked up a good bit of part-time brewing experience, and extensive was an extensive home brewer of 
not even just beer. Like you walk into that guy's house back in the day, and there were kombucha ferments happening, beers being made. It was just he was doing sourdough starters before he was, yeah, before the pandemic was made it, yeah, it Oh too. yeah, he was all over the place doing a lot of stuff. So anyway, super talented, well researched guy uh, that I was fortunate to kind of be able to line up with professionally. But the evolution of the beer drinking side of it was when I first, so I was into, I first got into craft beer really heavily when I was living in Boston, Massachusetts and running a beer, wine and liquor store in Boston in, in Beacon Hill. And I was really more into spirits and wine than beer. I, I yeah, kind of went into, ba- not, I don't want to be mean to Boston because now it. they're way up there, but yeah. I think of Boston before 08 as, yeah. As Coors Light and was yeah and Scotch and I right yeah it was <laughs> and I started so I'm managing a beer wine and liquor store who doesn't like doers come on you know what I'm saying yeah and I uh, I am drinking more spirits and wine and really learning about those categories and beer kind of came last there for me but we started developing a big craft beer selection and. I had to work my way into it. I didn't start with cool beer. I started by drinking the same garbage, macro, lager, trash. And that was kind of like my gateway into like building a beer palette. And, and, and it wasn't until later on that like more captivating flavors really got me. And we ended up building a really huge craft beer uh, collection at that shop at the time. This is around 2001 to 2004. And we kind of just saw an opportunity it was really just a we're never going to have the biggest wine selection we're never going to have the biggest spirit selection but we could have the biggest craft beer selection because so no one else has really done it 0104 craft specifically in the northeast and i'm thinking like boston i could probably list 15 or 20 places you could get but i'm largely envisioning a european collection very european okay. very shelton brothers and be united heavy very heavy on things that were too old because that's what those guys sold back then. More wow, so Shelton Brothers you than fight United. Shelton Brothers and be united. Uh, yeah, I mean it was like I mean like no, if they existed, if we were the first one existed. I think the yeah. United is still no, they're the, yeah. They're, um, they served us a sour Doppelbach yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went off on a little rant about them. Well, yeah, I mean, episode. but I mean that market deserved that market of. Yeah. There was a time when most of the craft, like the, the crazy stuff we would get would be like Sammy Claus, right? Or like something like that. Yeah. It was all old Euro import stuff. I remember it was. people getting super excited about Le Chouf. Yeah. When Le Chouf, and then of course that proliferated when it got absorbed into Duval Mortgat or whatever sure. happened with that whole deal. But but yes, Le Chouf was super exciting. Anything. Hell, Chimay was exciting. It was yeah, Everything yeah. was yeah, exciting. Chimay's still exciting. It's good. Duvel's Speaking of which, do you guys delicious. still have this one in your glass? The set in beer two? Oh, yeah. Beer one. Beer, beer one. I have more. Come back to it. I, it's, I, you know, I kind of love that this is giving, not that I would ever, oh, you know, not that I would ever be like, oh, what does Westbrook know? But I love that this was what he was working on back then and that it's, it's so fucking delightful. It's crazy. Boy, he, that booze is really starting to come going through. To, he's going a. to be shocked that you guys liked it. That booze is he's really, really that means all you're through. saying, and not that we think he does, but that means he doesn't listen to the show. We we only groove on stuff you shouldn't like. Yeah, we will spend two hours talking about a bad beer, um, and Which five hours not. talking about a properly aged yeah. beer. It's also and, just and so when old. you give us when I mean, you give us fifteen years old, when See, you give us what I imagine this tastes like, we're like, oh, it's a citra hazy. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> What's interesting though is that, and we've had like. People have brought on J.W. Lee's from like the 80s. Yeah. 
Uh, Aaron Goldfarb brought on uh, Billy Beer once from the 70s. Do you remember that? A can of Billy Beer. A can of Billy Beer, which I remember. clearly been kept on a pizza oven for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But it was pasteurized, so, like, it was fine. But I do remember walking home from that show when we were in Jersey City and thinking to myself, like, am I going to die? Like, am I about to, to, like, yeah. I drank some Berliner Vices that were, like, from the 1960s and wasn't sure I wasn't going to die. But what's fascinating, though, is that going into this blind and not knowing that this is 15 years old yeah. and not knowing. And then when you start to think about it in those contexts without knowing age, but then once you know the age on it and you start to appreciate it in a different way, it's fun to come back to it because it does add that depth that the black glass takes away originally. Well, so that's, that's the benefit of fermentation over adjuncting, right? So, so we, God, there's like a tea herbalness that's coming out of this thing now. Yeah. There is, but we've been doing this show for, fucking ever now i think it's eight, eight years, years. Yeah. but back in the day we'd talk about our preference for black ops after 18 months mm. you know what i mean and at the time i really like i thought 18 month old black ops was one of the greatest beers you could get but only a fool would buy it and open it because it was so hot and fusel when they put it in the bottle and then case in point the black ops that we had a couple of weeks ago oh. Out of a can of all fucking things. Wow. Yeah, the four <laughs> the four roses blend was. I haven't seen cans of Black Ops yet. You can now shotgun Black Ops, and the <laughs> world doesn't need that. I drank some on draft <laughs> in Port St. Lucie uh, two nights ago. It was pretty good. Wow. Yeah. but so but so but the, what I'm saying is then as we just started, I want it to taste like cinnamon. I'm going to put cinnamon in it. I want it to taste like nutmeg. I'm going to put nutmeg in it. There's no development to that, right? You should drink those the day they come out yeah. because they've been dialed to where they want to be mm-hmm. and. As those things integrate, because because you can, you know, because you can put the flavor where you want it to be at that point, it doesn't have a foundation like this from fermentation where it's got a place to go for fifteen fucking years, right? Yeah. All you've got is that going away. Um, I I I know you can. I don't even know why I'm saying this sentence, but I really wonder what this tasted like fifteen years ago. Yeah, like I imagine it was like super sweet. You know what I mean? Like so sweet and so hot and yeah. But you also understand how to store beer as well. So this has been obviously lovingly cared for. This has been in refrigerated temperature for the last like, like like nine to ten years. So like actually cold stored. So that helps. Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't from the closet. It wasn't from an eighty degree closet. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing it, man. That was super, super cool. Can we do the reveal on beer too, by oh, the way? Yeah, just fuck, because sorry. we forgot. So this is this is actually like one of my favorite beers in the whole world. Right on. Okay. And it is. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Oh. Abbey de Saint-Bongien. Yeah, Prosper de Franche-Montagne. But this is the 2016 um, special uh, 20th anniversary Grand Cru. is aged in first growth Bordeaux barrel specifically. Venice. Very Venice. Um, I'm sure you guys have had Montchien. Yeah. A bunch. So, so there's no adjunct in here either? No. Um, I, I know Jerome red fruit. Jerome does usually use a variety of different barrels that are then blended together, um, different barrel types, spirits yeah. and wine and stuff. I don't know, truthfully, if this was exclusively first growth Bordeaux barrels only or not. Um, but that was the part that was focused on Tons for this 20th anniversary. Tons of fruit off of Yeah. That. I love this stuff. That's so cool. It makes me. This is thanks, I, for, I, thanks for bringing it. Dude, I've always been a cool Montchian enthusiast, and all all Abbey Saint Montchian products. I I've can't developed. imagine. When was the last time I would have had this? 
not this, but Bonachian. I I do I I love that you enjoyed the parameters or lack thereof yeah. for this yeah. and like but these are putting the thought into it. The yeah. light into face. Oh yes, I, I went I went wide and weird for sure. But so the other problem is so COVID kind of took the show away from us too because we started doing it remotely uh, uh. and Justin started. Our like producer. If, if this was a normal thing, you'd be getting beers, too, that you didn't know that he hides in, and we just drink them online that way. Gotcha. Cause, and we kind of settled into that laziness. But this this is a lot more like the show. Well, that's why we like do these shows. Looking somebody this in the eyes. That's why we go to Miami and, and sweat. Cool yeah, but in Miami, we often end up with, here's what was at the 7-Eleven in my cab ride over. These are considered All right, thoughtful. I, boy, Murphy Johnson is just going to be crying now. Fuck that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I could see playing it either way. I I, love I, I had beers. the I, I had the fun of picking them from my personal collection at, at home before so I left sharing them though yeah. in South Carolina, so and I wanted to bring things that were just noteworthy. It doesn't mean good or bad. Just a highly unusual. And, and they noteworthy. have great stories behind them as well. Yeah. I mean, that's the. And, that's and, what and beer that's, drinking used to be, but this is what I miss and that's, about beer drinking. And that's it, that's exactly what I was going to say is that this green glass 750 mil, you know, beautiful drinking beer that with beer shops out there these days where people are just going in and buying, you know, the hazies or the, the kettle sellers or the whatever, you're missing out. Um, so you are. At your guys' shop. So I, I and I know I sound like, old and angry. but You are old and angry. I, 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 I think all of us am. that come from that era of Beer heyday are old and angry about this subject, but it's yeah, I just the reality I just of the market. Sitting around, I miss bottle sharing at someone's house, and I don't know, they, bring they don't back, miss you at the house. But nobody yeah, that's <laughs> nobody ever misses me, nor should they. But so just, just at the house, that's all this, I'm so saying. There's a weird thing going on in my hometown where we never really got to have really good bottle shops because Jersey's laws just don't make them make sense. So the best beer selections end up being in the supermarkets. But we have one or two liquor store chains that took over failing supermarkets, so they're just giant. And then Wegman seems to be the chain of food stores that cares most about their liquor selection. But right now, if I wanted to grab you, if you were coming to town, and I was like, all right, we need some cool-ass Belgians. What part of Jersey are you in? Atlantic Highlands. Okay. So if you know the shore, we're the northernmost beach. Okay. Sandy Hook yeah. is pretty well known. We're the town Sandy Hook protects. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, um, I'd have to go to Wegmans yeah. to find 25 Belgians to pick one from for you, right? If you're like, hey, Augie, I'm in town. Let's drink a beer. And I was like, well, I had a ton of fun drinking cool Belgians with them then, so I'll go get something. Um, there's a whole liquor store with... 50,000 miles of beers and I went in there looking for Belgians and ended up with you know a, an 8, a 10, and a 12 and walked out the door that was all I could find have you guys like is there so little market demand for those that you guys had to kind of move away from that in the store not in the yeah program. in our store we, we did um, it's, it's bittersweet you know we started the Charleston Beer Exchange days were all about carrying everything we could find that was of craft quality and like major emphasis on those imports tons of domestic too like just whatever was good and accessible that we could get uh in the recent few years at what's now known as edmund's oast exchange the shift has become much more just about our beer and wine I and mean, we sell a ton of wine we never sold wine in the charleston beer exchange not one bottle of wine was ever sold out of that shop really 
And now it's, yeah. Now, is that just you being 10, 15 years older and wanting... And that's part of it. But part of it was that we just weren't moving a lot of cool beer, unfortunately. I wish we were. Yeah. I, I wish we were. I don't wish that we removed shelves to add seats for people to sit and drink their Chardonnay. Like, <laughs> But it's business. And yeah, no. the, you know, Rochefort 10 was not selling i mean whatever example you want to use i mean those all those cool beers that we love that really paved the way for me and everyone in my company to do what we do today yeah we're just not sitting they're just not moving they're just sitting Can on the shelf collecting dust all at the feet of daniels for the failure of chicharroni for ray daniels uh, <laughs> i don't know if we have to do that but i always but like to make John Gre- greenville daniels. is still part of the family it, yes it is though not under our ownership so the greenville beer exchange or gbx for short um, there's still more of both of these. Yeah. I, I mean, that stuff's pretty... Because happen. I'm aware... We'll be drunk today. I, I want to hear the background of it, but yes, I'm aware of it, it yeah. because uh, it shows up on Alex Kidd's Facebook page a lot with people shotgunning barley wines. Ah, sure. Wait, well, what? Yeah, the Greenville... Uh, it, it's Devin Cox, right? It is. So yeah. I can't explain why there's so much I barley need, wine shotgunning. I think I Devin likes sense to here. Who's Devin Cox? All right, so... We opened the Charleston Beer Exchange in 2008. At the very end of 2010, literally the last day, New Year's Eve, um, we opened we, we opened the Greenville Beer Exchange, our sister store in Greenville, South Carolina, upstate South Carolina. Um, the Greenville Beer Exchange has, uh, as we were building what would become all the Edmonds O stuff, and we had to like streamline licensing, and also we weren't really able to spend time in Greenville, which is over three hours in Charleston anymore. Um, we sold the shop to its longtime general manager, Devin Cox. Okay. He was the GM of the store for us, and he became the owner of the store. Gotcha. And he... So family. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. We love the guy. And and he's been really successful with it. He's expanded it hugely. Built, like, took over, like, the next door property, next, like, forward, like, to the back and to the side. Built a big, loungy bar area. Um, really turned it into more of, like, an on-premise place than a store. Yeah. So he's done super well something that only someone that really lives there and is part of that community full-time and passionate about beer yeah. could do Devin was the man he's nailed it i have heard that there's something about the shotgunning going on there but i didn't know it was that so expensive. you follow uh uh barley, barley one is life. it's the only reason um, to be on facebook that <laughs> all right there's also a rauk beer reason to be well, on facebook but, but uh, people tag me on that one uh, yeah. They don't tag me a lot in Barley Wine's life. Rauk, no, no, Rauk because and, they and defend Lager or whatever, defend Pilsner. Uh, we don't people talk about tag that one me anymore. in those. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he he is one of Alex kids. Uh, Alex's he's part kids. Of that. He's an Alex kid. He's what do they call him? The Otter or something? He's an Otter. otter yeah, he's an uh, yeah an Otter lover. Embarrass yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but he's usually shotgunning beers or making funny videos or going to like the Salvation Army with. You know, cans of really? oh yeah, you know, he does a night to end all. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, Cameron was just telling me about this I recently. Love this. Yeah, so and he's, he's you, wildly you know entertaining. But I like that. Reform barley wine is life. Where, how, where does he fall on Bigfoot? I I don't think anybody on that page likes Bigfoot. No, there's a division in whether Bigfoot is life or not, oh, okay. and that's orthodox. I think I think Alex is, is silencing the Bigfoot, uh, the people who enjoy Bigfoot. I think he is. No. I think he's. He's doing that shady Twitter stuff where he's shadow banning, shadow banning the the, the reform. <laughs> the, the bar, it's a slow rollout. Um, but I but I enjoy his post because it shows a beer shop, and even though there's like you know fuckery behind all of yeah. it, it's I, 
there's not a lot of beer shops that are out there that are trying to at least spark a conversation and getting About people in shit other than lines. Yeah. And and it's 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 kind of fun, and I'm sure that he's selling more than just barley wines. Oh yeah, uh, I'm summer. almost sure he's not selling any barley wines. I don't, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at the market data, but if you can still point. get a look at the books, I'm willing to bet you'll see a lot of barley yeah. wine bought and not that, a lot of barley wine sold. That and route beer, and we're out of business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our big plan for a one barrel pilsner store, <laughs> and uh, lid liquor hells, and uh, barley wine and rap beer. That's yeah. it. Nothing but. Um, all right, man. Do you have a letter for us? Should we no. should we wrap this up? I don't have a letter. All right. So I think we've hit all the important spots along the way. But if you are in Charleston, you go to tell them where to find you. Tell them what to do. Tell them what to oh, drink. Oh, to come to our Make, place? Yeah. Let's, the mean, reason should, to come on here besides think to so. share ridiculously love lovely beers with us. So, yeah. Come visit us in Charleston. Come to you know the restaurant at Edmonds Oast, which is on Morrison Drive in the upper part of the downtown peninsula of Charleston. That is kind of more of our dining and drinking experience. It's not only beer. We also have a fully developed cocktail and wine program. And, and a really apparently cool a lot kitchen. of Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> we have the Exchange so Next fun. Door, which is our retail shop and cafe. And then, of course, our production brewery is Edmonds Oast Brewing Company. That's just three minutes up the road from the restaurant. We have a full taproom restaurant there that's really fun, open seven days a week. The taproom is a great casual place to hang out, let your kids run around outside. Nice. Dogs, whatever. Awesome. And awesome. Have, come see us. Come have fun. I know. I gotta. I gotta Thank you so much for get back and be sober next time. Just like this. This was wonderful. It was yeah. my pleasure. I can't wait to see Cash try to untap that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to. Yes, you have to. No, we're not it will be to. on there. If he has a bottle, this somebody else has a bottle, and somebody put it on. You think untapped. it's on untapped? I'm telling you, it'll show up. Yeah. This. Yeah. This somebody will have put it on. I don't have it on my phone anymore, I so know. I can't check. You're the worst. Yeah. All right, tell them how to give us money, Brian. Cass, <laughs> Although it's going to be like one star. It's super old. Super one old. star. I tasted it. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's nothing better than a 15. I. This is literally the most perfect not, not a ghost. gold I've ever had. 15 yeah. years old. It's just absolutely can't believe the nuance. It's wonderful, but I don't like old beer. One star. Yep. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for thieves and. Uh, what do we call her? They're yeah. the thieves. They're the thieves. He's yeah, an thanks. accomplice. Right. We're Augie and John. <laughs> we are. We are now two shows deep, and yeah. I've been. And th- you were. By the way, this apple cider did donut you finish beer. That can? I did. So, uh, it's so a here's the problem with my shift. The minute this came out, I stopped drinking this. I was like, Dude, let's wait till we're out of that. No mm-hmm. offense. This is lovely. Yeah. But fuck, do I like that? Yeah. This is. This is delightful. It's lovely. This is delightful. Like oh, I'm yeah. not up for beers like this typically, but this is. Everything that I want in autumn it, in Pennsylvania. We, ju- we just brought we just brought you down to Miami to convert <sighs> to you to give sugar me the lactose. Water. Yeah, <laughs> to convert you to sugar water. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is this is really nice. So thieves, thanks for uh, giving us the opportunity to be down here. It's Patreon.com/slash Steal This Beer. Uh, I love being able to drink blind out of black glasses with beers and that sock people monkeys. are bringing and sock monkeys so that you know and and if you're liking what we're doing your support yeah. helps these shows so thank you very get, much get sean down here uh, I have to do we this need alone. and we, that would have been fine with these two beers uh yeah but i need your help on some other beers <laughs> you also need help i imagine setting up some of this equipment oh sure well i could just do it on my phone if i was alone <laughs> great <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey 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 um <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, five star Apple be- review. Yeah. Mention this episode. Yeah. And I would like if somebody would donation. chug some barley wine on on our Facebook page. I want to see. I want to see a shock on a Black Ops. Yeah. All right. Uh, go support. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs>